from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast. It is the Friday Roundtable here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and on your uh, very favorite podcast apps. We thank you for listening, subscribing, rating, and all that fun stuff. We are joined in the studio today by City Councilor Elizabeth Peloza, Political Insider Ryan Goss, and former Council Candidate Jeremy McCall. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thanks for having us. Uh, let's... Um, Get right into the situation with Thames Pool because that was one of the big stories this week, and that was certainly the big local story this week. Elizabeth, you chaired the meeting that happened at City Hall this week where we decided, which I thought was a pretty good middle ground situation. We don't know what we're going to do with this yet. Let's take a little bit of a break, take a little bit of a pause here, and see where this goes next. What do you think the options look like as far as where this may go next, based on what staff is telling, what you're hearing from people who have reached out? Yeah, so certainly passions ran high on that. It's a Beloved community pool, an outdoor pool for those in Old South and across the city with 30,000 visits just in the summer alone since that's when it's open. Staff's recommendation after reviewing the options was to close it. Um, There are options on the table of rebuilding it at great cost. If we do rebuild it, is it the same thing that we rebuild? Is it what else facilities might they want? Do we move it? Where would it be moved to? And first of all, we haven't gone in there to see what extra damage has occurred over the winter with the freeze-thaw. We're still going by last fall's inspection, so waiting for engineers to get back in there too and tell us what's happening. Since the pool completely drained of water last year, doesn't make much of a pool. It's just a big nope. pool on the ground. Um, and what was it, 600,000 gallons in a night went out? Yeah. So yeah, that, that seems like a b- pretty big hole. <laughs> that, yeah. That, yeah, something <laughs> definitely is going on with the footings yeah. and the leakage on that. So hearing from the community and giving time for public consult, staff has assured us that even if we approved repairs, they will not be done in time to save any of this year's swim season. So we have time to take back some time, step back, look at community consultation, staff reports of what the community needs, where can it be done, recognizing more developments are going on downtown too. And do we need to move something into this area, recognizing green space in the downtown area is extremely lacking. It's lacking. There isn't a lot. Jeremy, I, I know you know you, you have kids that have, have, have swam at that pool. I know that's an important pool for you. What were your thoughts on how that was handled? I mean, it was not the news we were looking for after three previous summers of not the news we were looking for. Uh, I really, I get what's happening and I really get where everyone's coming from. I think my big challenges are as a parent who wants to live in a 15 minute city, who wants their kids to be mobile on bike, on foot, on transit. We just don't have a lot of options, right? Downtown doesn't have options. Neighborhoods close to us don't really have options. And so it's really kind of a crushing disappointment in that regard. I think the amount of advocacy for saving the pool, for trying to do something for the neighborhood really made me excited because you kind of get the feeling that Wortley Village is a big status quo place, but it's one place where I think status quo really matters. I think where I really kind of have a challenge is I mean, I get telling somebody a $375,000 repair is a lot of money, but we're going to talk about another topic today where almost the same amount of money was spent in an afternoon, right? So I think it really comes down to what matters to us. And I think community has to matter. Health has to matter. Getting kids outdoors has to matter. Even being water safe has to matter. Kids will be around water without their parents and you can't get into swimming lessons right now because we don't have enough spaces and we're going to lose a 500 person capacity pool for possibly forever. So I think, you know, a lot of work needs to be done and I'm glad to hear that many people are on the side of doing more for the neighborhood. So I'm curious to see where it ends up. I, I, I'm, I'm curious too. I think that if we're talking about, you know, space for say March break swimming lessons, replacing 
Thames pool with an indoor pool instead. A few years from now, we get a couple more summers at a Thames pool. There's something to be said for that idea because you can't do March break swimming lessons at Thames pool, not unless people want to get real chilly. And even in the um, swim season, the pool is open. So they were still closed for like 30 some days due to weather events. And that interferes with planning too and all your swim lessons getting refunds but your school kids didn't have the full lessons then um they may they may fail because if there's if there's a if there's a flash of lightning there's a there's thunder everyone's out of the pool which that's that that's the way it's supposed to be not the case if you have an indoor pool different conversation no i I think that this is a tough one because it obviously you know my my role my day job is in kind of the federal realm but we heard a lot about in our office i actually spoke to the city councilor that's in the room here uh, about this very issue on the telephone and um i I actually spoke to the the city councilor for the area too and skylar frank i i i want to commend her i think she's handled it very very well i agree i I, I think she's led this issue very well a difficult issue and i know i spoke to the mayor about it directly too and he said it on the phone and said it in in public too this is kind of like a a no win, almost like a no win situation, mm-hmm. right? It's lo- lose, lose, right? So uh, at the end of the day, I, I think that council is, com- excuse me, I should say committee, I guess, at this point has come up with a solution or a motion that I think is is respectful of all parties. Uh, I get what you're saying, Jeremy. It's definitely not what the community would want to hear. As you know, I grew up in the East End as a kid and I used Thames Pool in the summer, right? So I, 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 I've been a Londoner my entire life. A lot of people have memories there. Remember the slide that was there? Like they remember the big size pool um, and uh, you know, having that outside, uh, that, that's how it used to be. I also get the argument that, you know, maybe it's better that we have a facility too that can be used year round and you know also maybe has a library in it and has more community services where that goes that's another question we know we're on a floodplain there we know we have major issues that climate change is changing the area there could there is the need for a dike there um you know the federal government does have programs for dikes i can say that not for pools but i was at a news conference about one not long ago (laughs) precisely (laughs) my boss just mentioned uh uh, an investment for another uh for another dike now i will say that i think on this that i i personally just as a londoner and and as a taxpayer i am happy that at least the effort is being made for minimal repairs to be made to try to get a bit more life out of it because if i'm being honest and i mean this constructively i think the communications around this and how the city staff released the information to the public was not the greatest Mm -hmm. i i I think i think you know there could have been more consultation already happening with the community before we got to that public release point i think we're playing catch up now in a lot of the community consultations and i think it really left a lot of the city councillors out there trying to quell a a or an angry electorate and they have every right to be angry so i think that the communication piece could have been a lot better so i'm happy to see them extending the life of it and then let's try to get through a consultation as to what the next step is going to be because i think the life of thames pool is more than likely over a reminder that here's the thing what they did this year it was going to be kind of a no-win situation no matter how they communicated it a year ago when we had found the damage at thames pool and they were closing it for the summer it was the fifth paragraph in a news release about city pools open and everybody should be excited like that's not how that needed to go. And I've, no. I've, I've talked about that quite a bit on the podcast. We don't need to go back down that road. The moral of the story is there is some question as to what goes on next. But what I like about the solution that we've talked about is we don't go from having Thames pool to nothing. Like summer 2023, we don't have Thames pool and that sucks. But if we can, like how many summers do you think we can get Elizabeth? If, if we spend this, you know, 350 to $400,000 somewhere in there, if we get two or only, three summers, right? I can't right? see it only being 400,000 or it would have been cheaper in the long run just to yeah. keep putting the bandaid on the pool, realizing this would be the fourth time if we do a complete rebuild and the climate has changed and it's getting worse with the flooding in it and the, the heaving. 
So it really is going to be no guarantees for 2024, but letting the engineers get in there, come back with the report saying, if you want to salvage one swim season, two swim seasons, three or four, you have a chance to do a competing consultation, new build of whatever in this space or a new pool somewhere else, what that's going to be. I want to look at, if I'm putting my City of London budget chair hat on, of the per hour cost to operate an indoor pool versus an outdoor pool. And for how many hours we have Thames pool open, what is it costing per hour if it's going to endure high maintenance costs? Like, is it just going to be skyrocketing and you really are looking at, you know, it's a sunk cost, it's going to be torn down anyways. At what point do we build the community something else through consultation and look Mm -hmm. at a new pool, a new location? where we're going to be and what it can do for the community and replace what we have there with a splash pad or whatever it happens to be is it's not that nothing would be there right Mm -hmm. like there's still a great park there my kids love that oh it's a phenomenal park and accessible which makes it unique and a resident reached out the other day saying that there's one indoor volleyball court in the city of london it's private and it's closing they said is there indoor volleyball courts anywhere in the city of london's park and recreation master plan and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, could I have a fake beach with our new pool? I would love that. Like, <laughs> in an outdoor beach lounging area. Because if you don't have a vehicle, you can't get your family to, to Port Stanley or Grand Bend or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think well, just one last thing I'll offer on that is that I, I guess what my frustration's always been too is that I think the city of London. You know, the London was designed to be a city much smaller than it is today. We know that whether it's the train track that we're beside here that runs through our city or whether it's how we look at our facilities. I think that if we look at our recreation, our recreational facilities in London, pools, tennis courts, volleyball courts, you know, whatever, whatever might be your whatever might be your favorite. Right. Pickleball. Uh, London for a city its size really is punching below its weight class, not above. And I think that that's something that through the recreation master plan that you talked about, the city is actively looking to improve and I, and I commend them for that, but we do have to find a way to make sure that we don't have less facilities and we have more um, because more, more and more and more we're seeing people, especially kids be outside less from when, the three of us in this room were, were being raised, right? And and that's just a changing world and changing dynamic. And I get that and I'm blaming anyone for that. But there's we need to really give them the opportunity to have these real quality, um, uh, you know, wanted facilities that are going to appeal to to um, to Londoners. And, and you know what they're going to be? And I know what a lot of people are going to say that are listening. Well, that costs money, Ryan. Well, I, I understand. But and for the budget chair, people are going to be willing to pay for that. Right. So if yeah. you're saying I'm coming to you with this X number of increase and we're going to do all these great things. I, I'm not I'm not everyone, but the majority of people are going to say, oh, I'm good with that. No. You know, as a, a father of it's, two young boys, I'm great with that. It's like, what do you want your municipal government to be spending money on? And for me pools are on the list of things. 100%. There are some things that are not on that list. And I don't think our, our government necessarily needs to spend money on those things. But pools, I think, should be on anyone's list, much like garbage collection, much like snow. police officers, yeah. much like snow removal. Like there's just costs that come with having a municipality people want to live in. And we should have activities for people to do is one of those costs. Mm-hmm. Hydro, safe Hi- drinking yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, crazy ideas. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, safe drinking water. What a concept. Like, I mean, we know that roads freeze and break all the time. We keep break, uh, fixing roads that have broken. It just comes down to what matters to us, right? As a candidate, I tabled, can we bring a community center to the Wortley Village Old South neighborhood? I was told probably not any time in the next 20 years. If Thames Pool shutting down changes that, I'm all for it. But I also have to be mindful of timelines. Like uh, Megan Walker pointed out this morning that the Green Bin program started being discussed in London in 1995. We don't get things done with any sort of urgency. And I'm looking at my kids spending half their childhood in our neighborhood with nothing to do. 
So I think if the right voices come to the table and can get things done in a reasonable amount of time, I'm all for it. But I would just love to see it move past the planning stage and the meeting stage into the actual action stage where we say, what are our priorities? And let's make those priorities happen. Windsor is putting like $33 million into redoing parks and playgrounds. And uh, Mayor Morgan, as part of his campaign, he promised a record investment in parks and it was like $4 million. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show how every municipality has different priorities. Yeah, I think that I, I will say to in defense of, in defense of the city on the on the green bin project specifically yeah. we are there now right like yeah. and, and it's completely out of their control at the moment i know it's supply chain major supply issues chain chassis issues it, exactly so like there is uh i will say that we we have finally got there it doesn't take away from your point that it has been spoken about since it was 1995 sure. i completely give you that but i will give the, the I, I give criticism but i also give kudos when it's yeah. due uh, when, when it's due and they've got it done um the previous council it, yeah. it was officially done under the previous council and it's now it's just supply chain issues with the trucks and i think the bins too if i'm not mistaken but i know that there's uh, um issues around that but your point is well taken it, it, again it comes back to what craig just said is what do people want their municipal government to invest in right and oftentimes and i find that in my job being chief of staff to you know uh, to mp fragascados is is that a lot of times people they want they want some government they want governments to do everything and, and and they don't they want you to forget about jurisdiction sometimes and mm -hmm. and they really they they just want it done they don't care we have people who called and said hey the federal government should fund the pool i'm like i, I get where you're coming from but like like that's not our lane right yeah. and, and frankly i i don't know if the city council would exactly be happy if all of a sudden the federal government comes down and says here's where you should design your pool here's the right uh the conditions that need to be met and then we'll cut you a check like if you paid for all of it i'd be open to okay well <laughs> that backfired on me but you know so uh but it's not like there's there's jurisdictions for a reason right put, and, and, put and pool wherever you want and, 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 and i think that what needs to happen is that people need to realize that different levels of government need need to you know, fund what's up to them and they need to put expectations on those levels of government about what is important to them and especially with municipal government because it's what affects your everyday life the mm -hmm. most because like you mentioned craig your garbage your police your snow yep. your parks uh, your pools, firefighters your firefighters yep. all that sort of stuff where it affects your everyday life the most where sure tax policy immigration uh, other issues that, that are done by different levels of government are, are very important too, but they, you may not have an impact with it every Tuesday, for example. So I think that is if the priorities are made by the citizens and the city can then follow it, um, that's that's what's we're going to see better policy that way the expectations have to be set and this comes back down to my original point about again it all comes back to communication and consultation mm -hmm. and and i think that was kind of really lacking around the thames pool it was it was too late uh last thing before we go on this uh jeremy what do you want to see there because I, 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 you know, we, we hear splash pad and I think that makes sense. Uh, I know that there was some talk about a pool that's smaller than the ones there. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think that the, the odds on that are long. But what do you want to actually see there? So if you stand in Thames Park and look north, you can see a splash pad. There is a splash pad other side of the river at the Forks of the Thames. Yep. Today it's not used very often because I took my kids there once. There was all kinds of needles all over the ground. Right? It's yeah, just I like that splash pad, but I've had that experience before too. I had to call the number to say, hey, you got to get the needles yeah. out of here. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think, I mean, if we can find a way to make the pool work for the next couple of summers, knowing we're on a floodplain, knowing, you know, all the risks that are in place, but then knowing that you have 30,000 people a year using it and that your cost per user, as Elizabeth said, is the budget chair. I think to me, it feels reasonable. I just want kids to have a chance to get in the water in the summertime. How that looks, I'm willing to leave that to City Hall in terms of what makes sense. But I do want to say that I am grateful that for the first time in a long time, I feel that people are listening at the administrative level at City Hall. I feel we can have conversations. Skylar Frank, for instance, is doing a great job of reaching out to people like myself Mm -hmm. and saying, what are your thoughts? What are you looking for? And bringing that to the table, which is a big difference. She has made the best of a bad situation from the perspective of like, that was a, that's a no win for the ward counselor. And she's done what she's can to sort of, it's a no win for any of you, but it's a no win, especially for, for the ward counselor there. And she's done what she's can to kind of sort of manage the situation, I think, quite well, uh, even though it was uh, probably not what she wanted to have happen. Uh, let's talk about another city expenditure item, sort of, that Jeremy brought up earlier. Let's talk about what's going on with policing at Western and around Western for homecoming because a report at London Police Services Board tells us that the cost of the homecoming policing bill was a cool 265 G's this past year. That's the highest number I can recall. Uh, I know there would have been a, a more expensive policing bill, say around St. Patrick's Day of 2012 in the Fanshawe area. But as far as homecomings, I can recall that's the most uh, that's the most expensive bill that I remember. And here's the thing: I want students to come to London. I want them to have fun when they're here. I don't like $265,000 bills in exchange for it. Ryan, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Uh, disappointment. Um, so I, I want to say that obviously I was the, I'm the biggest ally that students have. I was a former student council president at Kings at Western mm-hmm. a long time ago now, but um, uh, it, it seems like yesterday and there was a problem then like, and that was back in, Oh seven. So it was, uh, it, it was always homecoming's always been a problem. St. Patrick's day as well. And, uh, you know, I don't have the answers because I think you've, you've talked about this year in year out, Craig, about how we can kind of get through, uh, I, I, I don't know what, what can truly be done. You know, I got to give kudos to, to Western because they haven't just said like, well, not our problem and wiped their hands of it. You know, they've tried to make changes. They've tried to use the student code of conduct. They've, they've really tried mm-hmm. to educate the students better about what it means to be a good, um, a, a good citizen in, in a community that, that may, might be your home, but uh, might only be your home temporarily. Um, and even with all that and, and the investments by the university students council and, and the senior leadership at Western, um, they, we haven't seen a drastic amount of improvement. Uh, we've probably seen a, an improvement on the, I guess, you know, the level of seriousness of, I guess, injuries or of situations, but the, the size of the crowds and the, and the, and the disruption to the community is still quite prevalent. So, uh, it's disappointing. I don't know what the answer is. Um, and uh, uh, one thing's for sure, though, we're, we're, we're going to have to get our, our hands around it because the bills like that can't keep continuing with the, the pressures that the police and the municipal governments have on them on their coffers already. Yeah, it's there. There's a lot of budget pressures. And I will ask the budget chair about that. $265,000 just like for an afternoon on Bruffdale is, 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 a, is a lot of cash. Think about what we could accomplish with $265,000 that we could spend doing whatever else we wanted to do. Absolutely. There's never a shortage of changes of what the community needs um, and realizing the residents in that area are fed up and have had enough. Yes. The ones that aren't students, absolutely. Um, and realizing we're dealing with students coming in from 
out of area as well because it's a good time and we have a reputation. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are not Western students who are among those 7,000, that's the number police estimated, that were out there last September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they don't they don't care. Nope. And chances are if they're coming to town, they may or may not be getting hotels for the night. They're just probably crashing at a friend's house or doing their day and going home. So not bringing a tourism impact yeah. <laughs> to yeah. the city. Yeah, there's, there's, well. no, there's no mat tax yeah. coming no, in on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless there's like, you know, do we, do we get tax uh, benefits from the LCBO being busy right beforehand? Yeah. Or? Yeah. It's provincially. Yeah. Yeah. It's provincial money. Yeah. And yeah. I still don't. And just even looking at the charges that were related, laid relating to drug trafficking, violent offenses, illegal firearm possession, and use. Like, Londoners don't want that in our city. We want a safe and secure city. So definitely glad that we have our emergency command operation center. And this is well planned out with many people across sectors at the table. But, you know, just waiting for it to get, to see more of a change. I don't want to say better just just more of a change that we are still a great city with diverse second post-secondary institutions but this is taking a lot of money and a lot of time how do we do it though like i i just i I, I don't i just don't know what's the way what's the way like i I, like so many i'm so many people are going to say well there must be like you know must be one two three and that's going to make it better and this one we've been talking about it forever as long as i can remember so i just i like i, I what is the answer Do we rename broughtdale street take the signs uh, down yeah. uh it's now called library <laughs> avenue uh here's the thing what i will say to western's credit is something that they have done and i'll you know i'm going to pat myself on the back for this a little bit uh, when Western said, oh yeah, we're going to start doing homecoming at the end of October, so therefore there won't be big parties in September. I said, as soon as they said, I'm like, nope, they're just going to have parties the last week in September anyway. It's going to be just as bad, if not worse, yeah. because there's going to be less stuff to do. And lo and behold, that is exactly what went down. Mm-hmm. So they've moved homecoming back to the last week in September to try to sort of jam it all into one weekend because there's only so much partying that one individual can do in a 48-hour space. Makes sense. But... There is still obviously a lot of pressures as far as we're going to have a whole lot of people out here. And you know, I don't even mind the closing streets that if we're going to close down some streets in and around Western for homecoming, that doesn't bug me. I know there's a cost to that, but it's when it's when, when they're saying, hey, you know what we needed to make sure the state OK was getting police officers from York region and Hamilton to come in and paying them essentially overtime dollars to come in here. As well, accommodation, that, accommodation, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely, the, the right? $265,000 gets spent real quick when you start doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I like Ryan. I'm not that old. I went to Western. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we graduated around the same time. And I remember having a heck of a time on homecoming, just going to people's houses heading down to Richmond Row afterwards, nobody had the motivation to party in the street. I think that the double cohort, which was my year coming to Western, may have changed that and that a large percentage of the student body is no longer able to enjoy Richmond Row legally mm-hmm. to the same degree. But I think we also have to look at, number one, when you're talking about BRT being $100 million, 265 grand sounds like peanuts. But when you're talking about somebody on ODSP bringing home $1,100 a month or somebody on Ontario Works bringing home 660 which is a city-funded program, we're talking about 40 people surviving for a year on what we're spending on an afternoon. If we think about Richmond Row, if we think about, about you know 500 meters north of the gates, there's a giant park. I'm going to rock the park this summer to see my wife's favorite band, Mumford & Sons. We paid like 180 bucks a ticket, and there's like 10,000 people going to be there. I think we maybe we could learn from 
February 2022 in Ottawa under a brand new police chief. There are other options in terms of massive crowd controls and what's in the best interest of a neighborhood. And maybe we can offer a chance to collect outdoors in a way that doesn't crush our budget. So do another Rock the Park homecoming weekend and make it free to attend for students. They've tried, right? So yeah, they, they've, they've, they've done they've, concerts. They've, they've yep. tried to do the concerts on right campus. on campus. And, yep. and we're not talking like, we're not talking um, small acts either. We're nope. talking like significant yep. names yep. they've tried to bring in that are, it's not like, hey, let's get the guy from, you know, that, that sings every night at, at uh, you know, a local establishment to come and do it. Like we're talking like headliners, yep. world renowned that they've tried to bring in. And it just doesn't seem to have the same pull. And I, cause I, I really do want to give Western credit cause that's some serious coin to yep. invest, Good to, for try them to, try, to, eh? to try to pull them onto campus. Uh, but it, it, again, it, it just doesn't seem to be working. I really like your idea of the park. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a, it's a good idea. So maybe I think it's the allure of it being off campus, Jeremy, a part of me, like, mm-hmm. like, you yep. know, you, you're all, you're on campus all day studying and that you kind of, when you want to let loose, maybe it's somewhere else, but I still don't know. I just here's I, the I other allure that Western's never going to be able to match because laws exist and insurance companies exist. Uh, <laughs> the the lure of hey, there aren't a lot of rules here. If you're 18, you can still go to Bruffdale and have a few drinks at your place. That's you can point. invite as many friends as you want. So like you might be able to thin the crowd a little bit, but the allure of you call if this is at your off campus house, you call the shots. As soon as you're going to campus, as soon as you're going to an event at the park, as soon as you're going to a bar in which one row, you no longer call the shots as far as how your night goes and what the rules are surrounding your night. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, again, you can thin the crowd, but there's still going to be a crowd. And if you thin the crowd, maybe you don't need those extra police officers from York or Hamilton or wherever it happens to be. Maybe that's maybe that's what you do, but it's at least worthy of consideration. Elizabeth, is there anything that you've thought of that, that may or not be worth a try here? Or do you just think it's a, something well, that we're just going to have to deal with? One, yeah. if we just... If those houses on Bruffdale become a giant apartment building, there is no more Bruffdale. <laughs> hey, um, what a good idea. <laughs> and, or if the university picked up 100% of the tab, would taxpayers be more okay with it? Of like, there was an issue, we helped have a hand at the table, organize things, and yeah. students themselves. If it had to come out of Western's budget as opposed to the one in police budget, I think people would feel better about it. Like, I get there's only one taxpayer and all that stuff, but if it came out of Western's budget, and hey, like, you know, tack a few bucks on the tuition. Yeah. Uh, and then use that to hire police officers from London or Hamilton or wherever and have them come handle Bruffdale, I think people would feel a lot better about that. I just don't know legally if uh, uh, th- that would work from, yeah. uh, from from a perspective of Western saying, well, I this is not on our campus. It's not on our property, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, what, and, what do you want us to do? And, no. you know, I, I, I would be more in line with that, I think, if Western kind of was sitting on their hands. Like, I, I, I and, you know, Craig, I think it, you, you alluded to it, too. No no doubt Western's responded to pressure, much like from people yeah. like you in the media and as well as the residents that live around there. Um, and, and they have done a, a lot of good changes, right? But I'm not sure if uh, just saying, hey, Western, foot the bill is, is necessarily the best way forward either. I get it. The taxpayer might be able to sleep a little better at night and that I respect, but at the same time, I don't think it gets us any further ahead of the problem. Right. I, I really feel for the people who live there. Like, like, no. the, you know, like I feel for like the, I think you've seen the little Nona who has her, her, her garden her trampled garden. Yeah, every yeah. time. Right. And, and I have a real problem with the fact that those people's lives are interrupted in such an impactful way. Right. Like yeah. it's different with like, like with like rock the park, like you mentioned, I know some people don't like the noise in their neighborhood, yeah. but they can still move freely, and, right? Like yeah. they can, they can go somewhere yeah. else. Like it's a different if we start shutting down yeah. roads yeah. and start doing this, like they don't have people defecating in their garden and like, yeah. in like pow- and getting on their roof and yeah. jumping off. Right? I don't like how rock the park sounds. 
that is a very different complaint for me than there are several thousand people on my street and exactly. I can't move my car. That is a very different complaint. Or I'm worried about hitting them. Yeah, right? I'm worried about right? hitting yeah. them or, uh, you know, they're, they're standing on my front lawn. That is a very, very different complaint for me as far as the level of sympathy that I feel towards it. But but again, like, I don't know if, like, like if you go in there with bylaw officers and police officers start finding them, doing this. Like, people are like, just find them. I don't think that's the answer either, no. right? Because that's what all that's going to do is cause a Fleming Drive-like situation from 2012 if you're going in there and you're just going to be a hard ass and you're finding everybody and you're throwing everyone back to their homes and telling them they got to like all you're going to do is create a problem like like and a potentially violent problem mm -hmm. that and nobody wants that that's way worse than anything we've got now mm -hmm. like right now it's unsafe but it's not violent mm -hmm. or at least for the most part isn't violent there was i think one person was arrested for throwing a beer bottle last year mm -hmm. which okay that's one person what if it was a whole lot of people that's, that's different. I think it comes down to motivation. It comes down to relationships. Um, in my prior life, I helped run one of the busiest downtown patios in London. We managed a thousand people every night with just 22 people with walkie talkies. And that came from being on the same page. And that came from having open communication with the people that who were attending your party and came from just telling them what their options were. Yeah. So if you put people on Brofdale saying, you guys can't party here anymore, this is what your options are. And you give them other options where they can continue their good time and it's convenient to them. Maybe that changes changes the dynamic. Here's what you had, Jeremy, when you were working at that patio that, that police and, and, and folks that are on Bruffdale don't have now, is you can say to someone who is on the patio that's causing trouble, if you keep doing that, you're out of here for the night. You're yep. done. Or that's forever. it. Yeah. Or forever mm -hmm. if you want it. Yeah, yep. you're done. Someone who lives on Bruffdale, the cops can't say that to them. Mm -hmm. No, but you know who could? Yeah. The landlords. The landlords can. The landlords, the landlords can be you part know, of the You're solution. in my student Absolutely. rental. Yeah. Um, I like, I, like it's, if it's a clause in the lease, yeah. right? Like, I'm sorry, like you doing damage and you d doing this on my property, you're then out, right? Yeah. If, if you are um, contributing to this problem, I, and I think you actually hit the nail on the head, Jeremy, it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. Is this an overnight fix? No. Mm -hmm. But if those conversations and if the landlords started to take some responsibility as well, mm -hmm. maybe we could see incremental change yeah. from year to year. And if the student body trusts that they want the students to have a good time and do it in a responsible manner, right? That's really going to be a hugely important factor. Uh, let's talk about one more topic before we wrap up here. And that was the big federal political story this week, which uh, I'm skeptical about portions of the story. And I've expressed this on Twitter. Uh, Han Dong, who is the now former liberal MP for Don Valley North, uh, remains the MP for Don Valley North, but no longer in the liberal caucus. Um, according to Global News, had a conversation with a Chinese diplomat in regards to keeping the two Michaels locked up in China for longer because that would hurt the Conservative Party of Canada. I, I'm very skeptical about that. I think that there is some, obviously some fire where this particular amount of smoke is when it comes to foreign election interference. I think there's all sorts of foreign election interference that happens from all sorts of places that are not just China. However, uh, I'm skeptical about portions of this story. I'm wondering how badly or how maybe not negatively at all. It may impact the situation from the federal electoral perspective. Uh, Ryan, that's the world you live in. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that story has shook down this week? Uh, well, if anyone thinks that I'm just going to skirt the question, I'll answer it directly. <laughs> um, uh, I have um, serious reservations about the reporting, uh, yes. as you do as well. I actually I, I actually have serious questions about the journalistic integrity into the, that was put into this story. Global um, Mail had the same story and didn't and run didn't it. Run it. You just yes. took the words out of my mouth. Yep. And then that came out this morning. They yep. had this story and didn't run it. And I have questions sometimes with the half-baked potatoes that the Globe runs out with. But yep. um, I really think that this, uh, what I can say is that 
I don't believe it to be true. Um, I I don't I I, I know. I know Han Dong. I'm not. I'm not a personal friend, but I've come across him several times. I like. I he he sits on a committee actually that my boss sits on. I've come across him. He is a very kind, nice. Um, uh, um, what uh, what many people say is a good member of parliament and does his job effectively. Um, I believe we live in a society where you are innocent until mm-hmm. you are proven guilty and anonymous sources that that where there's no tapes there's no information being given nothing being out there uh, i'm not ready to send the guy to jail if he now i do want to say if he did do what they're claiming that he did for me that's treason that's treason now, and you go that to is jail. treason yeah. you belong in jail let me be yeah. very very clear about that and, and there no ambiguity there but I have serious reservations about this reporting. I, I personally, I just, I can't come to believe it. I, I don't believe another human being would be that cruel yeah. to have the two Michaels languish in a communist jail. I agree generally with that, but here's the part that like, even if someone was that cruel, what I don't understand is how keeping those guys in there longer, as in four days past the federal election, that's when they got to come home. How did that help the Liberal Party of Canada? It doesn't didn't. help us at all. It hurt us. Yeah. Like, like it would, and, and, and us, I, obviously I, I work for a liberal member yep. of parliament yep. uh, and I'm a member of the party, but like it would hurt us. We, we yeah. were fighting for years to get them out. Like yeah. it like, I just, I don't like getting out. It would like have getting, been a massive getting win. Be- getting out before September 21st of 2021. Yeah. That's a huge win for the liberals. So why would you argue against that if you're? Uh, that's the part that I just I I, I I'm still trying to figure out. So you know what also yeah. disgusts me about this, and what mm-hmm. what no one's actually talking about uh, mm-hmm. as much right now is that what really frustrates me too is this dra- this is dragging the two Michaels who are on a long mm-hmm. road to recovery and a long road of reintegration back into society drags them right back into it. And you know, I'm going to say this also too: if anyone watched Hong Dong in the House of Commons when he resigned from I caucus, did watch the footage. if you watch that, either that man is the best liar I've ever seen an actor, or you could see, you could see the emotion and the sheer just breaking breaking of a human. And you know what? At the end of the day, his career has been ruined. Number one, um, he, you know, he can never be he, reelected. He can, he can never doesn't be matter re-elected. how this goes. I don't know how he with and since we're dealing with CSIS and we're dealing with national security, how does he? unequivocally in the eye of all of the public without a shadow of a doubt, clear his name. I don't know the answer to that question yeah. unless CSIS is ready to release. Yeah. Um, he's got his information. He's got to sue global news, which he says he's going to do and he's got to win. That's the complicated yeah. part is I don't know if he wins, but, but um, if global yeah. news is wrong and if like mm-hmm. you, you've seen stuff today where there could have been mistranslation, all this, yeah. I don't, I don't obviously take Twitter at face value. Like, and no one should. Um, the but the thing is, if, if they're wrong and if they did go too early with this story, which other news outlets think yep. they have because they've proven that by not running it, then I hope he sues them, and I hope he sues them for as much money as humanly possible. And I hope then that that journalists remember when they're going that they need to be they need to be as certain as they possibly can before ruining someone's life. And again, like I said, if he did do it, and if he is guilty, I hope the fullest extent of the law is is thrown at him uh, but that is a massively big if and remember we live in a society in a democracy where you are innocent until you're proven guilty i will say this as a journalist who people have threatened to sue before and unsuccessfully attempted to sue before uh if you have your ducks in a row and everything that's you you're you're, you're very you're very likely to be okay i've never done a story where i've accused someone of treason before so the the stakes get real high there the stakes get real high there uh, Elizabeth, do you, do you think that this 
moves the needle politically at all from a federal politics perspective? I agree that it would have been better to have the Michaels released right prior to the election. Yeah. Great mm -hmm. media. Um, for me, it's looking at those who serve and are underrepresented in all levels of government in a visible minority mm -hmm. and allegations and how it ruins a life and a career when all you want to do is serve and how that prevents others from stepping up to see a space in Canadian politics at any level for someone like them. And for me, if we're talking about saving the man's career in any rest of his life, is it a public inquiry that could fully release everything publicly to shed some light on this? So there's a slight problem there in, on, on the on the public inquiry. And, and what I will say is that no matter if there's a public inquiry or not, CSIS, RCMP, and police forces they are going to get up there and they're just going to yeah. say, I yeah. cannot disclose yeah. this because yeah. of national security. And all the documents are going to be heavily redacted. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm not saying I'm against a, a public inquiry at all, actually. And, and, and frankly, I, I'm going to guess that David Johnston is, that's going to be one of his recommendations. Uh, I have a, a, an unbelievable high level of respect for David Johnston but I just want to I just want to I I just want to be very careful on the public inquiry because if we have one or not there's gonna be a whole like you've seen the National Security Advisor come before Parliament before the only place they can do that is NSACOP which is the which actually my boss was a member of he was a member of it briefly before the last election he was one of the um, one of the MPs that had the top secret security clearance and was selected by the Prime Minister to be on that committee um, so there is a committee that there is a committee there that works they don't they can't talk about it. They don't, they get like staff don't even know. I don't even I know it. where he's meeting or when he's meeting, mm. but I know a lot of there. stuff I don't know. Yeah, so I don't, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I, I think though, to me, if I were Han Dong, I would want the public inquiry just because like, I'll come here and I'll testify. And I'll answer any question you want on the record, whatever you want, show you I've got nothing to hide, nothing to feel bad about. One thing I will note is it depends on who's reporting you believe. But if Han Dong spoke to a Chinese diplomat about the two Michaels without without clearing it with the PMO before he did this or having some sort of conversation with foreign affairs or whatever it is. That in and of itself means you're out of the liberal party and you're done here. Mm -hmm. Even if he was saying release the two Michaels right now, like that's not treason anymore, but you can't have MPs just sort of doing their own version of diplomacy. I know that stuff happens, but you still, you, you can't have that if you're the PMO, Sh right? I'm going to push, I'm going to push back okay. a little bit. No, because it, it does happen right now. Yeah. I would say that if I, I don't know where this meeting was or, yeah. or like, or the, all those specifics around it. Right. But, but you know that MPs meet with ambassadors all the yeah. time. They meet with people, they meet with, uh, you know, foreign dignitaries they, they've, I've seen members of parliament, uh, uh, yell about releasing the two Michaels right at public committees. Right. Yeah. And they're, that's not given to them, fed to them by the, by the government right yeah. so i it's not for me him saying uh you know release the two michaels um i have no issue with that in fact i, I commend that if that's okay. what if that's what he was saying should he have given a readout to uh gac global affairs canada 150 there, there you go like, and I, I don't know if that's done now yeah. that could have been him also being a first-term mp not necessarily yeah. knowing but uh just one thing i wanted to read is that this was posted online and it says i've known han dong for many many years i've always known him to be a proud canadian working hard to represent his constituents and to make canada even better it's impossible for me to believe allegations against him i hope his name is uh, cleared quickly that was written by deb matthews the former uh, deputy premier of ontario also han's colleague in provincial politics and again someone who's not necessarily going to put their name on the line out there and and their reputation on the line for someone who's uh um they believe is is guilty of as we've noted treason so. yeah mm -hmm. jeremy your thoughts on this story before i wrap up um so i mean 
I was a party guy for 15 years. Over the last five years, I've become more of a person guy. I trust lots of people in the Liberal Party, Ryan included. And I think that we've we've really (laughs) split as a society, much like the Americans have, in terms of being for or against each other. And I hate seeing it. And I think our best path forward is just, I, I get the national security implications, and it's to put as many cards on the table as possible. I had great success fundraising, making change in the community by just finding people and finding what we all agreed on and just being as transparent as I could to not leave anything up to question. In this situation, obviously super unique. That's a pretty terrifying accusation for any Canadian to be caught up in, in terms of conspiring with a foreign body. And I just want to see it all work itself out with as little collateral damage as possible because in the times that we're in, we just need to come together and not find ways to be even further apart. So I hope that, you know, the right people in the right places can find what they need to find to clear his name or, you know, one way or another and then just to move forward. I hope for the sake of this country that what Global News ran is not true. I hope for the sake of everyone involved that what Global News ran is, and everyone should be cheering for that. Absolutely. You should be hoping that, that what's in that story is not accurate. But I, 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 what I keep coming back to is they were really weak on motive. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you are going to commit treason, you need a motive for committing treason. What was his motive? Like, it, it wasn't helping the Liberal Party. It wasn't like, it wasn't helping the, the Chinese Communist Party. No way. Because they, they know, they, they don't need his help. He's, he's, a, he's a tiny little fish relative to what they're talking about. So it wasn't helping the Liberal Party. It wasn't helping the Chinese Communist Party. It obviously wouldn't have been helping the two Michaels. Who, what was your motive for wanting to keep those guys locked up? I, that's, you were, that story was very weak on motive. No human could be that. Yeah. In my mind, I, I, I have to believe this to survive. Because, you know, yeah. in, in being in politics and everyone in this room has been involved in politics at some level at some sort you get a lot of nasty stuff put towards you you see a lot of nasty things and i i just i don't believe that someone is is going to be like an elected official who's given his life to public service is, is going to be that nasty to the core to keep to have some to have two innocent people languishing in, in a in a foreign communist person i just i just i just can't i can't believe it and, and you're right Craig, every Canadian should be hoping it's wrong. They shouldn't be cheering on Twitter. They shouldn't be saying that, oh, see, this is what we told you that like this, this whole word of corruption and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and th- that we live in a, that we live in, a, that we don't live in a democracy anymore is just, it's, it's absolutely That's ludicrous. Nonsense. And that language needs to really be toned down because if we're not, if we're not careful, we're going to see more of what we saw uh, down, down South uh, uh, making its and, way up and, here. And here's the thing. You can think very, like you can be Pierre freaking Polyev. And think that Justin Trudeau needs to be replaced as soon as possible. And and okay, I, I, that's that's that's, a, that's, that's a, right. A, that's yeah. that's that's a, that's a, a, a mainstream political opinion candidate. But to cheer for oh yeah no I'm hoping that we had treasonous members of parliament like <laughs> oof, that's 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 crossing a Rubicon for me. That's crossing a Rubicon for me. So uh, let's wrap up there. I want to thank Elizabeth and Ryan and Jeremy for coming in, having some good conversations with us. I want to thank all of you for listening, downloading, subscribing to, and reviewing the Craig Needles podcast, which of course can be found at londonnewstoday.ca, classicrock981.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 